1: Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm outstanding. This is the greatest weekend ever, man. You got 10 a.m. tomorrow, an FCS National Championship game, backed up by two... Divisional round playoff games, two more on Sunday, and then hello, yes, the FBS national championship on Monday, which we will be talking a lot about on Monday. We haven't really touched on that all that much. Uh, we will have, uh, by the way, the Seahawks game and that national championship game right here on ESPN Radio for you. So if you're looking for those, you're out and about, uh, cruising around doing your thing. Uh, we have you covered on both of those fronts uh, the next uh, couple of days and through this this long football weekend. Uh, but Colter, uh, we're going to get to Dante Olson here. Just about 66 seconds uh he's coming to us from from frisco texas so we appreciate that but how pumped are you about this weekend do you does it i mean does this do this for you i I'm, it's doing it for me right now
0: no i, I try okay. to i try to ignite myself it, it uh, i i i i love all sports equally like until until they're happening i only can get I don't know, man. I feel like the, the art of anticipation is an art of cultivating uh, a feeling of being let down. If you expect nothing, then everything is great. No, here's the thing, and
1: there's an extent to which I agree with you. The anticipation is the joyfulness of it. The game is fun, but often you're right. The game doesn't live up to the anticipation, but if you don't have the anticipation, you're not having fun now. And I am. I'm having a grand time. You know one reason my spirits are lifted? Florence Coffee Company. Mm-hmm. Went on down to the Flow Coco, got myself a uh, iced latte. I know it's a little chilly outside, but I felt like a night. You got an iced coffee, too, over there, right? Uh, I
0: did. I Straight I, iced coffee. I'm sorry, I just realized that I left it in my office. I, Unbelievable. I was slugging some before the show and uh, left it in the office, but I'll, uh, a, I'll get it at the break. I can't wait.
1: It's a Friday, boys and girls. It's a huge football weekend. You got to stay up late tonight and prep a bunch of food. I know I am going to be. You got to get yourself ready, but you can sleep in tomorrow at least until about 9, 930. You're going to be fine, right? Get up, go right to the game. Get yourself a Florence Coffee Company right now. It's the perfect day for a little chilly out there. You're cruising around the state of Montana. Florence Coffee Company takes us through a Florence Coffee Company coffee break every Friday afternoon. It's your turn. Stop in there, get yourself caffeinated, or don't. Just get some tea, whatever you need, but they're going to keep you happy, make your weekend. Start off on the right foot with the Florence Coffee Company. Well, we go now to the Rangus Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in one of the great Grizz linebackers of all time, a guy who's up for yet another Buck Buchanan Award tonight in Frisco, Texas, Dante Olson joining us. Dante, how are you, my man? Thanks for being here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Well, we're doing great. We are certainly expect that you are doing well. It's uh, a Friday on the eve of the National Championship game of the FCS level, which means it is also awards night nationally. You are in Frisco, Texas as a finalist for the second year in a row for the Buck Buchanan Award as the best defender at the FCS level. You were in this position last year. What's it been like this year, though, to kind of go back? You're, it's, it's so rare to get a second shot at something like that, to go back and be in this spot again and and how are you uh sort of taking this now that you've gotten to do it once before
3: you know it's exciting it's a it's a great deal that they put on down here um it's a great thing to be a part of and you know it's it's just humbling to be recognized at this level you know win or lose um top three is is uh pretty special and you know it, it's great recognition for you know the whole montana team as a as a unit and, and what we we're able to accomplish this year
0: is there any differences you notice going back for a second time?
3: Um, I don't know. I guess it's, um, You know, it's that's a tough question. It's. Uh, I guess I, I know what to expect a little more than than I did last year, so it's it's not as nerve wracking. But other than that, it's uh, just it's just an all around great experience.
1: How different different has it been uh, since you graduated and finished, you know, you guys finished your season to now just be sort of autonomous and all about football all the time? I know you've been working out, preparing for, you know, the the, the draft and getting yourself as ready as you can, but how different has that been from what a normal off-season has been just between, you know, uh, playing seasons? Um,
3: You know, obviously, our season ended sooner than I wanted it to, but... Now um, it was great year, great ride, and and now that I'm done, you know it's awesome to feel graduated and you know not have to go back to school and go back to the grind of that. And, um, you know, it, it's different. I'm definitely gonna miss the team and and the coaches and you know the brother brotherly bond, but I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this next chapter and, and see what God has in store for me. And you know, it's it's different to to just be 100% focused on you know yourself and and, uh, and your body and and trying to trying to get ready for the next level
0: when the when, uh, chapter fully, truly closes, it's always an interesting experience because I'm sure when you guys were riding back on the bus from Weber State, or maybe, I don't know if you took a plane or whatever, but traveling back and you're graduating the next day, I know you and Cy Sermon and Dalton Sneed and a bunch of other guys graduated that next day. Yeah. And I'm sure it was disappointing to, to lose that game at Weaver State, but also then probably all the great memories flood back too. So when you were, after the game, when you were kind of just letting it all sink in that your time as a Grizz was really over, what sort of things came to your mind?
3: uh you know it, it was uh definitely disappointing um looking back now it's it's uh in the locker room you know giving everybody hugs and and tears and stuff like that but you know coach, coach alco said something i'll never forget you know once you're a Grizz, you're always a Grizz. so you know i always have a home there and, and that's something that i'm forever grateful for but definitely all the all the memories you know kind of flooded back through and everything that we've been through um You know, whether it's a senior class and, you know, a couple different coaching changes, you know, just the day in and day out and, you know, the team going through the grind, a winter condo and spring ball and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's great memories and and, and, uh, I'm forever grateful to be a Grizz.
1: Dante Olson joining us. He's in Frisco, Texas. There's the award ceremony tonight. He is a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award uh, after having collected basically every award that human beings give out to football <laughs> players over the course of this uh, off season. I got to ask you about going to the Sugar Bowl. You were part of the Good Hands team, uh, which it takes in a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, you know is a lot about community service and giving back and all the stuff that you've done around uh, you know Missoula, Montana in general. But what was that like to be there at that game and? You know, you're with a bunch of other players, Tim Tebow among others as well, and, and, and just being there for that.
3: You know, that was an incredible experience, and, and um, you know, that's something that I'll never forget, meeting all, meeting all the different players that were part of the team, uh, meeting, obviously, Tim Tebow and Usher, and, you know, I got to sit down with Tim Tebow and have about a 45-minute conversation with him, you know, during the Sugar Bowl, and it's like kind of, kind of surreal because, you know, that's a hero growing up of mine and then being able to, you know, have a genuine conversation was pretty cool and, you know, it's oh, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you give back to to uh, expect anything in return but it's definitely very cool to have that recognition and, and being able to be a part of that team is, is something that you know, I'll never
0: forget. You mentioned the fact that this is an individual award that you're up for, but that it is a team award, too. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the guys and the guys' defense. I think that just analyzing the scheme you guys ran the last two years – You are certainly an outstanding individual player, but so much of everything that happens around you is so key to putting you in positions to make plays too. So talk about that part—just the way that your teammate, teammates, and and everybody that played around you kind of put you in this position to to represent Montana on a national stage tonight.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is a a team award. You know, there's there's no uh, individual. You know, you, you can't win games with just one player on the football field. You know, so. Every everybody on the team deserves this recognition, um, and and I couldn't you know be more grateful for the the different players that I played alongside. You know, it, it starts up front with the the D line, and you know they're they're trying to cause chaos and mayhem to the O line, and you know they do a great job. Starting with you know Jesse up front, and he, he's a one of my best friends, and and he he's done. A, job you know these last couple of years and, and then you know you know everybody's got to do their part the linebacker next to me it was, it was mostly jace this year and, you know jace and bust last year you know we we all got we got to work together it's kind of like you know pulling the rope the ball goes one way we got to go the same way you know and and it, and it ends in the back end you know to get pressure on the quarterback you got to have good coverage to yeah you know to be able to take risks the 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 guys in the back end have to be able to make the plays and you know that's run by you know josh and big Gav and robbie and you know the both corners justin and Dimash and you know everybody just just gotta gotta do their job to to be able to make for for an individual to make a play everybody has to do their job whether you know it's Ryder or pat up front and jesse and deming joe whoever it may be it, everybody's got to do their job you got to count on everybody and it's uh it was it was definitely
1: an awesome experience couple years. Dante Olsen joining us he's in Frisco Texas getting ready for uh, the banquet tonight and the uh, as a finalist for the Buck Buchanan award and Dante I know you're getting ready for the East West Shrine game and that's you know a big deal uh, to play in that and and, and basically get your first uh, i guess spotlight look in front of a whole bunch of scouts and being coached up by some guys and all that kind of stuff, but also, what's the process like right now? You got your Pro Day coming up. When do you find out? How do people find out if they've gotten a Combine invite? When does that kind of stuff all transpire, and how do you go through this sort of time where there are still some unknowns out there?
3: Yeah, so I think the list comes out in February, early February, because the the Combine is in late February, I believe, so you know, just the process of playing in the East-West running game, which, you know, it'll be a great experience. I'm going to meet a lot of guys and play play against a lot of great talent and be coached by, you know, some great coaches in front of a lot of, you know, NFL scouts and things like that. So so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. And then, you know, whether it's a combine or pro day, I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, get out there and, and uh, show everybody what I got.
1: When your pro day comes along or the combine, what's your forty gonna be, Dante? What are we doing here? We shooting four three, four two, maybe? Oh wow! <laughs> I'm just wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome for any of us? Yes, it would. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but uh, but when it I mean, let me ask you this though: Do you think there's an undue amount of not pressure but focus put on that kind of stuff, or do you think it's reasonable?
3: Um, you know, to be able to play at the next level, you got to be fast. You got to be strong, and, and when I say fast, you got to be extremely fast. So, you know, uh, scouts look into that stuff, and whether whether they look into it too much or not, you know, that's that's not up to me. It, it, so I just got to go out there and and run as fast as I possibly can. You know.
0: I remember that towards the end of the season, the wide receivers from Montana always stay on the field. And catch balls out of the jug machine, do a little extra work, and it was funny because you started doing that at the end of the year, catching balls with those guys. And I remember, I think I remember, I don't remember if it was Samari or or Sammy asked you, Dante, what are you going to run? You said, Oh man, I'm running four two. I'm way faster than you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, but, but but I mean, how do you transition your mindset out of being such a close knit group with a bunch of guys that are around your age, then preparing to go to? what is maybe the most competitive element, competitive business world in America in the NFL? You know, it's uh,
3: obviously something that I've never been a part of in the NFL, so everything is going to be a new experience, and, you know, just got to trust God and take it day by day, you know, starting with today and and then uh, worrying about tomorrow when tomorrow comes around. But, you know, like I said before, University of Montana and everybody that I met there, you know, coaching staff to to the players, the the older guys that graduated, and then the younger guys that came up below me. It's it's uh that 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 group right there are people that you know I'll, I'll never forget and stay in touch with for the rest of my life. So, um, you know, it's right around that time, about five years ago, where I I signed my life away, and it was the best decision I ever made.
1: Dante, one of the great ironies of playing football is you don't really get to watch football as a fan right. or whatever. And so now tomorrow, I know it's a game, you know, obviously that you, you would have loved to have played in, but it is still a football game. It's a national championship. What do you think this game's going to be like tomorrow? Are you excited to just, you know, sit there and, and, and take in a football game and watch these guys go?
3: Yeah, no, I'm I'm
1: definitely excited.
3: Um, there's going to be a lot of talent there. Obviously, you know, if, uh I wish uh, you know we could ultimately be playing in the game, and I didn't have to be a spectator. But you know, I, I love football. I've obviously been around it since you know the day I was born. But so it'll it'll be fun. It'll be a good experience to get down there and you know watch watch a couple of or watch a couple of better teams in the FCS and and uh, see what happens.
1: Well, Dante, we certainly wish you all the best tonight. Uh, congratulations again on all the awards, all the All Americans, and stuff, and uh, and to be in the banquet, uh, you know, again for a second time is uh, a pretty a pretty big deal. So, congratulations to you on that. Love watching you play and the best as you go through this process here leading up to the draft. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me, Coulter. You have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web.
0: Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time.
1: And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right?
0: Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age.
1: Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's Always On World, your business demands a simpler approach to network security.
0: At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana.
1: They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information visit goblackfoot.com slash business that's goblackfoot.com slash business and you can click the link right here in the old podcast we've made it so very easy for you go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with blackfoot absolutely thank you dante dante olson grizz linebacker and a buck buchanan award finalist we'll find that out tonight we will not be on the air uh, when that announcement officially is made. So we will talk about that on Monday as it comes through. But you can follow along. at Skyline Sports MT at Gus Tutel. We'll make sure and at 102.9 ESPN to get that out to you uh, as it happens and as we're uh, made aware of it. So uh, there you go. Very good of him to join us. Always uh, enjoy. Catching up with Dante, and it, it it is such a dichotomy to watch him play and to talk to him and to be with him. We've been with him a number of different places, times, and in person. He's just the most affable and uh, meek. Is a, I mean, not a word that you use very often, but I mean it is sort of true about him in person and just kind of who he is. And then on the on the field is just it's a switch flip, and it's awesome, man. It's great, to, great to watch. So excited for him, and uh, and certainly wish him the
0: best tonight. He 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 encompasses so much of of what we know about him and what he believes in, and sometimes the crossing of of faith and sports is is exploited, and it, sometimes it's a fallacy, and sometimes it's made too much of, but other times it's completely authentic. And he, uh, I, he, Dante Elson is such a he's such a, so many guys. Claim to be humble. He doesn't claim to be anything. That's why he's actually authentically humble, <laughs> right? And <laughs> right. Uh, but I think that just the the diligence that he lives his life with is why he's had so much success. I mean, once upon a time he was a small school linebacker from Oregon in a private school, and if you, I mean, I was looking. He posted a picture of himself when he was a senior in high school and said, "I can't believe I'm where I'm at today." And he was just a skinny little kid. Yeah, and now he's he's just a he's a grown man and uh, it, it, it's a it's a good story because I think a lot of times the the guys that are surefire NFL prospects out of this level of football you gotta be so unbelievably gifted straight out the gates like a guy like Jabril Cox or you gotta just be just a savage like Patrick Walser was from Portland State or yeah, guys that get drafted from this yeah. level, the mentality that you have to have. And and Olsen is neither one of those, but he still has as good of a shot. And I, it, he's definitely different than a lot of guys in his makeup. Uh, but I think it, it proves that you don't necessarily have to be the insane B- Bontez perfect type, and you don't have to be the six foot three, two 240-pound guy right. who runs a 4'3", like Jabril Cox.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a good point. It's just that it, it, it takes all types. And, uh, and and we will follow along with all of you uh, eagerly to see kind of the path that it takes uh, here for Dante Olson beginning or continuing, I guess I should say, tonight. We'll take a
0: quick break. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula hotel that truly offers something for everybody.
1: No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport. Easy for when your friends come to visit you. And, you know, of course, my favorite,
0: water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: At Gus Toutel at 1029, and at Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. You can also check us out on Instagram at 1029 ESPN uh, as well. Coulter. The Montana Grizzlies went on the road at Eastern Washington and we talked about this game a fair amount yesterday and Eastern Washington, two and one in league play. They are one losses by one point. They are leading the number three scoring team in the nation coming into the game last night, almost 86 points a game. Uh, they're top 10 in terms of pace of play. They have a number of name guys returning and then a great freshman point guard who has been outstanding for them, Magnuson. And they, uh, are playing at home against a team that beat them the last two seasons in the championship game. You thought this would be a game that had some edge to it. And Montana has been good, but coming off a loss and trying to, you know, figure it out a little bit with a bunch of young guys, what were they going to have last night? And they dismantled Eastern Washington and Cheney last night. I mean, they, they from, from basically the first about three minutes of the game on were simply dominant in every way. They were up, I think, 18 at halftime. And at that time, I you know, thought that the first five minutes of the second half was going to be important because you know, Montana had been down at halftime in those two championship games and come back and won. And you know that Shante Leggins was telling his guys, hey, you know what, we're down. But they've been down and come back and beat us. There's no reason we can't do that, and we should at home. And Montana just kept on the gas pedal. And... Ends up winning this thing going away by nearly thirty points, a twenty-seven point victory. Derek Carter Hollinger, his coming out party, like you said in the uh, in the Sports Center, there twenty points, four blocks, fourteen rebounds, a massive double double was all over the place. Saeed Bridget was held to four of ten from the field. He was clearly the key on defense. He still scored eighteen because he went ten of eleven from the free throw line, scoring double digits at the charity stripe and. Kendall Manuel still went for 14. Timmy Falls also a big night with 12 points and 6 assists. I think that was huge. He had 6 6 assists and two turnovers. If you get a 3 to 1 assist to turnover ratio out of Timmy Falls, you are in great shape, not to mention the scoring that he brought to the table as well. 4 of 9, 1 of 2 from beyond the arc. Great night for Timmy Falls, but it was DCH's coming out party last night. And look, he was the guy that Chante Legrand was willing to let sort of be the guy to beat them in a certain sense. Uh, and, and so he was poised, given the, the defense that they were running, to have a big night. But he also came through. And I said this to you yesterday. I felt like Derek Carter Hollinger last night was what I saw out of Timmy Falls. Was it against North Dakota his freshman year? I forget the game that you uh,
0: Irvine. Irvine, okay. Timmy Falls Where? had 14 points and the, I think, three threes. And Timmy Falls, you know, was was a pretty
1: heralded recruit, and he's playing as a freshman. You're excited, and he really was... He was he was not very good the
0: first no, couple of he was weeks. One, he started months. his career one of 18. Yeah, I mean, just bad for the first I think he had like a zero to five assist to turnover ratio. He had something like 10 turnovers for his first assist. And
1: you sit there and go, okay, well, what, what, what's really going to happen? What really is this kid? And then he had a game where you go, okay, there, there it is. And that's what we got out of Derek Carter Hollinger last night. Now, it's not to say that he's going to be... 20 points or double-digit scoring every night and all that kind of stuff, but you see now like what it is, what this kid brings to the table, and he was absolutely outstanding. And by the way, it wasn't just him. He wasn't the guy that beat the team. He was the most impressive maybe for the Grizzlies last night, but as a group, they moved the ball better than I've seen them move the ball. They were locked in defensively, and I thought that they were absolutely primed and ready to go, and I thought, I mean, they didn't make the statement maybe they had hoped to make in Northern Colorado. They made
0: it last night. Well, Coach DeCure said that in the post-game radio show with Riley and voice of the Grizz on the Grizzly Sports Radio Network. He said, we felt we had a chance to make a statement to the rest of the league by going 4-0 with a win in Northern Colorado. It didn't happen. So then Coach DeCure said, we had everybody's attention. We had one-on-one meetings with the guys about some things that we needed, about some changes we had to make offensively. Our shot selection was killing us. Our pace was killing us. And our offense turns.'" into pressure on our defense, and we were giving up a lot of transition in Northern Colorado. It was a huge issue, so we made sure to demand everybody's attention. He went on to say, we told... Them specifically, he was referring specifically to Side Pridget and Timmy Falls, who are kind of the two facilitators of this offense. He said, we told them at some point you have to let the offense work. You have to read the screens, play off the screens, set the screens, let the defense react. What you're going to see, see what you're going to see and then get good shots. You can't premeditate every possession. You can't decide who's going to go down and score in other right. words. He said, I thought, guys... Took their time. They had patience. I thought guys found themselves wide-open shots. We got a ton of layups by driving into the paint, coming to a stop instead of settling for a contested pull-up. And that's where I think Timmy and Saeed were getting most of their assists. Our willingness to be patient and share the ball was huge. And that's what I saw. Timmy Falls could beat anybody in the league off the dribble. But sometimes he gets in the lane, and he'll, you know, sometimes he'll throw the -the behind-the-back pass, and it's right on the money. But also sometimes he'll throw the -the behind-the-back pass into the stands, or sometimes he'll take a pull-up... 12-footer, which in in this day and age in basketball is the worst shot you can take because you're not going to draw a foul. It's a low-percentage shot if it's contested, and it's not a three. So that mid-range jumper, I mean, Kendall Manuel's mid-range is a lot different than what Timmy Falls and Saeed Pritchett sometimes get into. I thought just that simple detail that Coach Takir said, get in the lane, jump stop. See what happens. Yeah, Your defender jumps. How many times did Timmy Falls jump stop, pivot, Wide open, drop layup. it off. Yeah, here's Saeed for a layup. Here's Derek Carter-Holinger mm-hmm. for a layup. The patient, the, the Grizz went from a team that was, I mean, seriously, we're talking six days ago. The Grizz were a team that were brutal to watch on offense to a team that looked beautiful offensively last
1: yeah, night. It was, it was night. fun. It was really fun. It's interesting to me too, Coulter, because we talk about shooters getting into a rhythm a lot, and if you know, if a shooter, they just need to see it go through once, and then they can start to feel it a little bit. The same is true, not to the same extent, to me though, with passers. And if, you know, if Timmy Falls gets, you know, a great look to somebody and they knock down a shot or if he sets somebody up on an alley-oop or something like that, he starts to get into a flow and it builds for him where he, I mean, he's looking to pass pretty regularly, but he's really, there's a difference between looking to pass and looking to really set your teammates up and doing things on your end to ensure that they're just... Oh, they got bunnies and easy shots all over the place. And I thought that was the sort of flow that he got into last night as a passer in that game. And, what I mean, centrally, as great as Derek Carter-Hollinger was last night, the reason the offense looked good was because Timmy Falls ran it well. I mean, he, he's the guy, if he's got six assists and 12 or 14 points. 12 points. I mean, after scoring 15 combined in his last five games. Right. I mean, you're you're in, I mean, that's almost an unlosable stat line for Montana when he does that, because that means that everybody's now rolling off of what he does. He is not Harold Frey, but he, when he's playing his best in terms of to make the team the best, he can have that sort of impact on this team, and he did last night.
0: And, and the th- the thing that Coach DeCure has talked about extensively with Timmy Falls is that he can't let one possession affect the next, and he can't let his offense affect his defense. And the reason he has a chance to be so special is when he put just those two things, when he's just placed within the flow of the offense, and then he stays steady in in his own emotion. Mm-hmm. Then he can also become one of the best, if not the best. Uh, Jonah Radabaugh is so much bigger than Timmy Falls, so he's the best on-ball perimeter guy in the league. But Timmy Falls is one of the peskiest defenders. Timmy, Timmy Falls is like the Pat Beverly of the Big Sky Conference. He, right. he gets in your head. He's he's annoying you. He's playing defense with his hands behind his back. while He's taunting the refs. And it, 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 he's... The Peace or famine that is Timmy Falls, I think... It, it's what makes him him. I think it's what makes him a fan favorite. It's also, I think, probably what sometimes drives his coaches crazy. But when he's good, he's so good. And if they could just harness it, you don't need Timmy. The stats are secondary for Timmy Falls. Yeah. You need Timmy Falls to be steady. And when he is, he's so good. And last night, he was so good. I also thought that Eastern Washington had a definitive game plan to double and trap side Bridget in the half court. Relentlessly. And I was so surprised that, I mean, Montez scored what, 46 or 48 points in the first half?
4: Mm.
0: And and I thought that letting that roll for a full half and letting a team score almost 50 on you. Yeah, 46 28 at the break. Yeah, I mean, you're up, you're down 18. I thought out of halftime they would have just scrapped that, but they kept in it for another nine minutes in the second half all the way to the point where the only reason they really got out of it is because Mason Peely got in foul trouble and then ultimately fouled out. But they were just dead set on letting Derek Carter-Hollinger, and Mack Anderson, which I don't think is actually a bad game plan if you're Shantae Leggins, but when those guys are... It's very apparent that they're rolling. I thought that they would get out of it, and they really didn't. And then the last factor that's worth touching on is the way Montana plays the high ball screen and the way that their big men have to show and hedge, and they do such a hard hedge before they peel back. It's why... Young big guys have such a hard time in the system because it's they just almost... Even Jamara Coe, towards the end of his career, picked up cheap fouls a lot just because when you do the hard hedge, if he, if, if the point guard is smart and savvy, he'll brush off your hip, and then all of a sudden, the contact, he's getting the call. But last night, Derek Carter Hollinger and Mac Anderson both showed and slipped and rolled and moved fluidly, and even though Mac Anderson did foul out, in 18 minutes of play, he still looked so much more confident. And you know, I think that the, the quote that Coach Takir ended his interview with was phenomenal. He said, now at this point in time, we had a little desperation because we knew Eastern hadn't played great against some teams and they thought th- that they thought they might have bl- should have blown out. So we thought if we came in here and pulled this one off, we'd be in first place. We'd push, push another team behind us. But more importantly, we'd make people a little nervous. We need people to be nervous. We don't want them to have too much confidence. This league is going to be a roller coaster ride, but we know that if we get the respect we believe that we deserve and everybody else is a little bit more nervous playing us, it gives us a chance. And I just think it's very interesting. There's turning points in every season and you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. But to me, comparing this team's performance the Montana Grizzlies when they played Omaha to when they played Northern Colorado, excuse me, North, uh, Sacramento State to when they played Southern Utah to when they played Northern Colorado to what they they played like last night. It was a revelation. It was a completely different team. And that's the type of jump. When coaches talk about the light coming on, the light came on for half of the guys in the rotation last night. You want to talk about excellent coaching? If you have one-on-one meetings with a handful of guys and every single one of them responds like you wanted them to that's coaching. That's excellent coaching. And so I thought it was a great job by Travis Secure and his staff. I have one-on-one meetings two to three times a day with every
1: single one of my children's and none of them respond the way that I want them to. So I'm going to have to go down to Travis and say, Hey man, what, 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 what do I need to do? How do I need to inspire my son to put some pants on? You know? Cause he just, he's not into it. Uh, <laughs> One other thing that I think is absolutely worth uh, paying attention to on this, too, Colter, because it's easy to talk about the offensive side of this thing. Eastern Washington's averaging 86 points a game. They get held to 63. They're averaging 33-point attempts a game. They shot 14, and not only did they just shoot 14, they went 4 of 14, under 30% from beyond the arc. So you want to talk about where the points go, there you go, and Travis DeCure did talk about that in his postgame as well, but... Again, that we talked yesterday about how how especially now the points allowed per game is is a is a lying statistic. But one statistic that doesn't lie is how much you allow below or above, depending your opponent's average in a game. Right. And to hold a team twenty-three points below their average is I mean, is lockdown. I mean, it's straight. It, oh, it, yeah. Well, it's prison defensively, and, and they, they, have, and they were a, phenomenal.
0: And they have an 18 point lead at halftime. You have to string together so many stops. Yes, c- completely. So,
1: w- what they did to get Eastern Washington, especially off their shot, off the three point line, was. was phenomenal last night they didn't even let them
0: shoot the shots they wanted to say nothing of contested shots and they have to talk about the edge montana played with too i mean last year in the big sky tournament one of the most memorable moments one of the most controversial moments was when saeed pridget was on a fast break and kim aiken tried to kill him i mean he took his head off he he straight up clotheslined him from behind and saeed pridget crumbled under the basket and they got up and it was a almost a bench clearing brawl and mm-hmm. they stopped it and you know Technicals and people almost got ejected. And it's a pretty long conversation that was had for 48 minutes or 40
1: minutes last night between these <laughs> two teams.
0: Saeed played absolutely the best off-ball defense I've ever seen in play. He's always been a, a very solid, but by no means game-changing defensive player. He, he, he deflected half a dozen balls into the stands. He's denying Kim Aiken so hard. And he was just John and John and John. Kim Aiken, who is. Really good one player. Of the, one of the edgiest and enforcer type guys in the whole league. Yep. He wilted with Saeed Pridget all over him. Jacob Davidson tried to make up for it. And Saeed Pridget actually almost almost whipped Jacob Davidson late. And there was the moment where Davidson tried to draw the charge, but he got called for a block, and Pridget just like stepped over the top of him and stared down at him. And Davidson get up and pushes him and yep. there's certainly uh you don't want to say bad blood because I think this is this is right on the it's edge. It's great rivalry. It's a great rivalry. Yes, it's a great rivalry. It's it's a it's a healthy respect where it's like a sports hate thing where you you they just really want to beat each other and I think that both coaches really play into that and I thought it was a really fun game to watch from that element but you could tell that. All the Grizz guys—they—they they were certainly playing with an edge. They, there was no mistake that they were. Everybody in this game was told. Even the guys that weren't on the team before. Yo, we lost in Cheney two years in a row. We can't. We gotta go in here and we gotta prove ourselves. It's Division One sports, man. And, and more than that, it's basketball. I
1: mean, this is this is what basketball is. Stepping over, guys. John it, guys. Going it, guys. I mean, that's what that's what the game. If you don't like that, you don't like the sport. So it's it's it was it was phenomenal and and it was a statement and I think uh, an eyebrow raiser across the conference to be sure uh, with the with 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 not just the win but the way that win happened. By the way the Lady Grizz as dominant in fact more dominant last night uh, uh, a 92-54 win Taylor Golagoski, 21 points last night the difference is Eastern Washington women are are terrible in terms of their injury situation right now a lot of girls out and just haven't been good I mean they're now two and eleven on the year they're one and three in the conference so this is absolutely a game that Montana had to have but they got, they had it and had it easily I mean they cruised to a 92 54 win and are now four and one and with the loss by Montana State at home last night to uh, to Idaho in double overtime by the way heck of a basketball game a one-point double overtime victory for the Vandals uh they, these two teams are and and they are alone tied atop the Big Sky Conference now. So uh, a big win, a win that you need, a win that you should get, and they did, but also it's still a W and it puts you right there a quarter of the way through the conference season you know tied for the top spot. So so a good win for the Lady Grizz last night and a tough loss for Montana State. Look Idaho uh comes in they have you know lost their their splash sisters and and the two you know two the 2 most prolific three-point shooters in the history of the conference who were teammates are now gone at Idaho. Now we know that you know Don Verwin is an unbelievable coach. John Newley. Excuse he, me, John Newley. Don, Don Verwin is the on the men's coach. side. Yep. But uh, John Newley, phenomenal coach, and and... You know, it's going to have a you know a, a plan you know it's not just hinging on two players or whatever but montana state has been the clear cut best team in the conference and they are they have been expected to be that and so to lose at home and double overtime certainly you know doesn't derail any a season or anything like that but uh you know to stay 5 and 0 and and win a home game would have been great for for montana state and it didn't happen in a in a great game i mean an epic double overtime game last night at the Brick.
0: I, remind, I remain leery over the Lady Grizzlies just because I do think that they they're four and one. That's good, but they still and, and they've looked better. They 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 certainly have.
1: They uh, haven't played the best but, of uh, this conference uh,
0: yet. Eastern Washington is a mess right now. I mean, Eastern Washington graduated six seniors last year, but then also Jessica Madell White, who was one of the great the best freshmen in the league last year. She's out. Bella Cravens, who's who was one of the best freshmen in the year last year, she's out. Uh, and Grace Kirshner, it just came back from an injury, and so she's still getting her feet wet. So those are their three best players; yeah. but they're not one hundred percent. But John Newley at Idaho, in my opinion, is no question the best coach in the league, and he might be the best basketball coach in the league. He's got a little, bit, a couple contenders on the men's side, certainly, but on the women's side, Trisha Benford is great. There's no, there's no doubt. But I think that. John, and Lynn Kennedy at Portland State is underrated. Seton Sobolewski at Idaho State. It always has a defined style. They're always going to be competitive. But John Newley is is the master. I mean, John yeah. Newley's offensive actions are, are elite. I mean, they they ran an NBA-style offense the last couple of years because they had spectacularly special players. I mean, I think there's been 12 or 13 women that have hit 400 threes or more in their career and they had two of them on the same team Pretty playing good. at the same time but I mean John Newley has some personal stuff that makes it so that he has to stay at Idaho I don't want to get too much into that but they are so lucky to have him I mean he's, yeah. led, the, he's led the Idaho Vandals to the NCAA tournament four times right That's how good he is. Remarkable. And uh, that's what I saw last night. He kept the game close, and then he he just, he won the game through his coaching the last two overtimes. And uh, huge credit to John Newley. That's a huge win on the road for Idaho.
1: Last thing quickly we want to touch on here, but the Montana State men's team did win in Moscow. We thought, Culture that Idaho was going to be maybe the doormat of the conference, and they still may be. They had such a bad non-conference and multiple losses to D2 schools and and, and worse. And they graduated a bunch of people and had the coaching change uh, in the offseason. It's just like, what are they going to be? But they have won a game, and also I think they have like two one or two-point losses. They lost to Weber State by one. Yeah, lost to Weber by one, and they lose to Montana State by three. So they're playing teams tough, and so give them some credit for that. But nonetheless, it's a win for Montana State. Jabril Bello, a double-double, 15-10. And And then uh, Harold Frey, after a five-point night two games ago, has gotten steadily better the last couple of games. 22 points, seven assists, three rebounds. That is a stat line That looks like a W when you talk about Harold Frey and what he brings to Montana State. They go to three and two and uh, and get the first road win in the uh, career of Danny Sprinkle in the Big Sky Conference.
0: Danny Sprinkle articulates it a little bit better than Robin Selvig ever did. Robin Selvig was such a great, he was so great at downplaying everything and trying to make everything sound like it's just so simple. Either make shots or you don't. That's Coach Selvig's Mm -hmm. famous line from forty years of basketball. But Sprinkle's team is operating with sort of a Selvig-like mentality in the fact that here's their three goals. Win the rebounding battle, make more free throws than your opponent, and turn the ball over 12 times or less. If you do that, you can shoot 35% and yeah. your opponent shoots 48% and you can still win. They just ham and egged it all the way to the last four minutes, and then they said, Harold Frey, here's the ball. They'll and make it he out. had he scored 14 points in the last five minutes and they won by three. And I mean, any road win for an unknown team like the Bobcats on the road in the big sky conference is a good win, even oh, yeah. if Idaho is down. So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Gracie Carter, she's a junior there, a three-sport athlete. Gracie, thanks so much for being with us. How are you?
4: Uh, I'm pretty
1: good. How are you guys? We're doing we're doing fantastic. Thank you so much. And we're uh, we always like talking to uh, kids who are doing stuff around their communities and they're in their schools. And you're certainly one of those. Tons of stuff that you're into. But we're in basketball season right now. You're a junior there. How has it been going for you at at a place like Belgrade to go from single A to double A and also being a three sport athlete? Um, I mean it's a little
4: bit of a change. Uh, I guess there's a little more kind of competitive um a little more competitiveness involved with it uh i think that our school like our athletic tuner, has been really good with we've played a couple a schools this year kind of to and last year we played a couple double a schools just kind of to get that transition over so it's definitely something new but i think it's something that you know our school's gone from a c to a double a throughout its years so i think it's definitely something we could um, get used to and definitely rise up in the ranks.
0: How would you just describe this year's team? How, how, how's it going, and how, what do you think just of, of this group of young ladies that you're playing with?
4: Um, I'd say this year we have a pretty young team, um, most of it sophomores on our varsity, but um, I think that they're, they're all doing a really good job at stepping up, and uh, I think that if we do have a young team, it's good that we're together now because that means in the next few years um when they're all upperclassmen i think our team's going to be pulling through pretty good but i think we're hanging in there pretty good right now
1: in the spring you're going to do track and feel you're in the one and 300 hurdles so god bless you for that for being <laughs> one that'll go yeah. out and do it but also i know you're a big javelin thrower as well and your goal is to beat the school record in the javelin what do you need to do to to, to do that this spring
4: yeah, so I'm working on getting into the weight room. Um, it's hard with basketball, but whenever I can, try and uh, just get stronger for that. Um, definitely working with my coach for Javelin. Um, I've only been throwing half a year. It's something I've wanted to do since freshman year, but like never took the step and did it. And so after half a year, I threw uh, 112 feet, and that gives me I'm about 26 and a half feet away. So definitely, just um, focusing a lot more on that and kind of working harder at it because it seems like a short distance, but it's going to take some work to get there.
0: What's the hardest part about learning how to throw the javelin? Because it's, it's a little different than the other throws. It takes a little bit different t- type technique for you. What was the biggest challenge?
4: Um, I, I'd have to say probably with throwing it. Kind of, I threw disc when I was younger. It's probably really getting my hips around um, to get the power, but also I drop, um, I kind of drop my wrist a lot and that kind of um, brings the momentum or like the angle down which doesn't uh, let the javelin go as far. So that's also one thing I'm gonna be working on is just a lot more technique and keeping my wrist where it's supposed to be to let the javelin um, release at the right point.
1: Gracie Carter joining us. She's our Matches Firm Student of the Week, a junior at Belgrade High School. And, Gracie, you do a bunch of stuff off of the uh, sports side of things as well. You've been a part of the Can the Grizz food drive and also uh, Key Club. You're the lieutenant governor of the Key Club. Talk to us about that. How did What is Key Club and how did you become the lieutenant governor of it? Um, so
4: Key Club is one of the largest student-led organizations for um, like community service. And really what we do is not only in our community, but also all around the world, we just help out like as much as we can. Um, and so my, um, one of my older brothers told me about it cause I told him I wanted to get involved with the community and help out. And he told me about it cause a friend of his was actually the, um, was the governor at the time. And so she got me involved and made me reporter my freshman year. And then right after that, lieutenant governor is a state position. So um, it's the Montana Key Club, um, like, state board, and we set up conferences we do for um, kids from all sorts of different clubs. And there was an open position, and the last lieutenant governor for our division was from Belgrade, so I decided to just uh, continue it on. So for the past two years, I've been lieutenant governor.
0: What are some of the things you guys have gone out and, and done, and what have you learned, personally, what have you learned from the experience of being in Key Club?
4: Um, we help out one, a couple big projects, is we do uh, the Eliminate, which is to help eliminate neonatal tetanus, and it's super simple, like in third world countries, it's just a simple shot, but it's hard for them to get it. And we also, um, we donate money and like raise money to help build orphanages for kids in Uganda, to help to help prevent them from getting kidnapped for witchcraft. Um, but in our community, we also do a big one is Home is Where the Heart Is. It's to help with homelessness. So we just um, get awareness out there and also donate and just volunteer as much as we can to help with homelessness. And I just think I didn't know how much like homelessness was in Belgrade, but I've just learned a lot about how much there's we're able to do and how much um, kind of in the shadows, of like help people need but we're able
1: to help so easily well gracie that's fantastic we certainly appreciate you being with us and best to walk through the rest of the basketball season and then into uh the spring uh with uh, with track and field here in your junior year okay thanks for being here
4: yeah yeah thanks for having me
1: absolutely thank you gracie again gracie carter from belgrade high school she's our matches from student of the week if you would like to submit a student of the week you can do it on the Mattress Firm website, MattressFirmMT.com. You go there, you click on the Students tab, and you uh, submit any kid that you know is doing good things in their home, in their community, in their school, whatever it may be. And uh, they will be featured on SWX as a, uh, a feature story, uh, both on the news and the website there, and then here on 2 Tell and as, uh, as part of the ongoing series. And Mattress Firm Student of the Year will be voted on in the spring. The winner of that, a $3,000 Mattress Firm scholarship uh, for them for uh, next year. So that's a very cool thing as well. So there you go. MattressfirmMT.com. MT.com We'll take a quick break. Hour one of the books up next. Mike Dugar It's divisional weekend. The Seattle Seahawks at the Green Bay Packers. They got the hat on today people. Let's go. We'll talk to Dugar right after this.